wish you God's blessing as you take this step in choosing out a brother to fill this responsibility of an elder. It is a God thing. I trust the way we do church is patterned after God's plan. And so God saw fit to so order it, structure it in such a way that there would be men who would be called to a specific responsibility in leading the church. It's a exciting time, and yet I know there's probably some trepidation considering the whole thing, but may God bless you as you seek him together. And my prayer would be that as we spend two days together, that it would be a means to bring clarity to all of your minds as to whom God is calling, and that it could be confirmed. God's call could be confirmed by the brothers here. So today, I would like to teach on the responsibility of an elder, the responsibility of an elder, and Lord willing, tomorrow would uh, like to give a teaching to the congregation on relating to their leaders. The study on um, the responsibility of an elder I found to be an interesting study, and, and to do that study, we're going to consider the different designations that have been given for this one role. It's quite insightful to do a study on these different designations, elder, bishop, overseer, shepherd, pastor. What we'd like to do today is just look at those terms and see what we can learn about this one office, as we call it, I suppose you call it here elder, as we also do, but it could be called pastor, it could be called a shepherd, it could be called a bishop, an overseer, and so we would like to look at that. Two things we want to consider in our message this afternoon is why did God ordain leadership in the church? And second, what is their responsibility? Let's turn our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to spend just a little time here in Ephesians chapter 4 and pull out a few thoughts. For those thoughts, we are going to read the first 16 verses. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, we know that's referring to the Apostle Paul, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. We have quite a vocation being called in Christ Jesus. What a vocation. 
Apostle Paul is beseeching them and us to walk worthy of that vocation. How are we supposed to walk? With all lowliness and meekness. Often think of the King Saul. Started out so well and ended up in such a disappointing place. Samuel made a very insightful statement. When thou was little in thine own eyes, Lord, help us. A lot of, a lot of men, a lot of women, a lot of leaders have lost their way because they didn't walk worthy of the vocation wherewith they are called. Supposed to walk in lowliness and meekness with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Why? Because there is one body and one Spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Why shouldn't we be one? Because he's one. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And here's some of the gifts he gave. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Did we ever look at it as gifts? They're gifts. Why did he give it? Verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come, and this is the purpose, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and conning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, not just some things, all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. first thing we want to consider here is verses 7 and 8. In these two verses, we have the word in verse 7, gift of Christ, and verse 8, and gave gifts unto men. I want to spend just a little time looking at these two words because they are two different Greek words, and they hold some 
insight for us as we consider the responsibility of an elder. The first one, and he gave, uh, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Verse 7. This one, this word gift connects, this Greek word connects to an English word that we probably don't use much. I think I'm saying it right, gratuity. That is where we get from this Greek word is where we get our English word gratuity. And it simply means giving something voluntarily without obligation, expecting something in return. The other word in verse 8, it is used um, in this illustration. And this word is simply a gift, not expecting anything necessarily back. From that gift. The illustration here is he led captivity captive, gave presents to men or gifts to men. Out of the goodwill of the emperor, gifts were handed out and there was no obligation for them, no obligation for the emperor to benefit from that gift. So, the, as illustration, our second word, gifts, is given. Gifts is a, a gift is given. I would give you a gift, or say I would give my wife a gift. I would give her a bouquet of flowers there to bless her. I didn't give those flowers that somehow she would use those flowers to give me something back. The second word could be maybe I would give one of my children a gift, and that gift would be a hoe. I gave it from my own free will, without any obligation. I gave them a gift. It's a hoe, but I expect them to use that hoe to hoe the garden so that I would benefit from from it. Now, that is important because these gifts, pastors, teachers, and so forth, they are these gifts. They are that gratuity, gifts given. So Brother Elvin and Brother Larry and Brother Earl are gifts given to the congregation by God, but God is expecting something back from them. So that takes away all selfish motives. Let's talk about this illustration, leading captivity captive. As we probably understand, the king would take his army and he would go battle against another nation and he would conquer that nation and he would come back at the end of the battle and he would bring all the slaves and all the captives and they'd be tied together possibly in a long line of chains 
and he'd have his wagons loaded with all the booty that he had gotten. He is leading captivity captive. And so they come back into the town, their hometown, and all of the, the women and children come out on the street as they pass through. Leading captivity captive. They conquer their enemy and they're showing off their booty. Often what happened at the end, the king then would simply hand out gifts, some of the booty to the people, not expecting anything back from the gift. It's just no obligation. He gives this gift to the people to bless them. Jesus Christ led captivity captive. When he died on the cross, he went to the grave, he rose again, he was victor over death, over sin, over Satan, and he led them captivity captive. He chained him. Oh, death, where is thy sting? He led captivity captive. Today, you and I can sit here. Our sins are forgiven. We're no longer a captive of Satan. So he led a triumphal entry into the courts of heaven with Satan, sin, and all of those through Christ now being taken captive. And then he gave gifts to men. Some of these gifts are pastors, And teachers, uh, prophets, let's see, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. These are some of the gifts. These are gratuity given to the church expecting something back in return, given out of his own free will. So one of the things we can learn from this is that We as leaders are gifts to the church, but it's to give back to God. He has an expectation in it. So when Jesus resurrected, he took captivity captive, death, the grave, Satan, his demons, the underworld, the flesh. He gave gifts to men. These gifts are not presents. They're gratuity. They are a gratuity. All right. So we consider bishops and deacons and teachers, etc., a gratuity. Though voluntarily given and without obligation, they are given to be a service to the church. Okay, why are they given? We can see three reasons here. For the perfecting of the saints. Complete furnishing of the saints. That's what an elder's for. Complete furnishing. Help me and help you to be fully furnished with everything that I need to live the Christian life. That's one of the things they're for. For the ministry, 
the work of the ministry, which that word is where we get our word deacon. They're just simply servants to the church, serving the church wherever it is needed. Also, we have the third thing for the edifying of the body of Christ. A builder or building the church of Jesus Christ. Till when? Till we all come to the unity of the faith. Elders are helping you and helping I understand who God is. How I relate to him. What he wants and what his will is for me. These are all the purpose of those that are called to be elders. Till we all come to the knowledge of the Son of God, who Christ is, what he means to us, what he means to salvation, or that we might know him in the power of his resurrection unto a perfect man. Perfection is completion, wholeness. There's something beautiful about something that's complete. You start coloring a picture. Once it is complete, that's when it is the most beautiful. So it is for our lives. So one of the things we learn from this passage is that the primary purpose for an elder a bishop, an overseer, a shepherd, a pastor, is not to baptize, marry, and bury the parishioners of the church, a part of it. But that is really only a side responsibility. We see here There are three main goals of the outworking of this gift. We don't see here about baptizing or burying the dead or marrying. And that is the responsibility. But the three things is the perfecting of the saints. What a job. Helping me and helping you become complete. Serving. Being a builder, building up the body of Christ. So baptizing, marrying, and burying, it's all a part of it, but they're not the primary purpose. It is to be God's agents to help you and me become all that we can be in Christ Jesus. So we want to choose someone who is going to be content and intentional on helping us become our fullest in Christ Jesus. That's the point. Oh, our selfish ambitions can get in the way so easily. So easily. Furthermore, The truth of the matter is, it's not about you as an individual. It's not about you as an individual. We see here the body of Christ. We can't be an island. God never intended, and I realize there's some situations where people end up out of their 
uh, ability living as an island. But that was never God's purpose. And so pastors and teachers and prophets and apostles are given to bring folks together, make them one, unite their hearts. Because it's not about you as an individual. You and I are not meant to be individuals sailing life sea alone. We were meant to have our differences reconciled in Christ Jesus. Made one, blended together with all the other fellow believers. We'll talk about that maybe a little more in our second message tomorrow. But let's learn a few things about the role of an elder in the church. So we have these five designations, elder, pastor, bishop, overseer. It's never specifically, the word shepherd is never specifically given, but the idea or the, the, that responsibility we find a number of places uh, where Peter is called to feed the flock of God. And of course, Paul talked about elders being shepherds. These five can be broken into three groups. Elder has its own designation. Bishop and overseer are the same Greek word, interchangeable. They come from the same Greek word. And also pastor and shepherd have the same designation and come from the same Greek word. So we have five different designations, but we can categorize them in three different groups. We'd like to look at these three different groups and see what we can learn from them. So we have one position referenced in three different ways so that you and I can understand the role of an elder. Why didn't they just use one Greek word for the whole thing? Because the responsibility of an elder is a wide responsibility. You got to be good at more than one thing. It's a wide responsibility and it's characterized by these different designations. It's not five different positions, but three different expressions of the same responsibility. So what can we learn? Let's start with the word elder. It has its own designation. An elder emphasizes wisdom and experience. Wisdom and experience. Now, the word elder is used in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, often referring to someone older. The idea that the word elder gives is the idea of having wisdom or experience. In the qualifications, and maybe we'll hear about that, it says not to ordain a novice, not someone that is new to the faith, but someone who has wisdom and experience. 
So an elder gives the idea of someone older. But we know that Timothy wasn't an old man. I think he was probably a little bit older than what sometimes we think of. It may have been in his 40s. I don't know for sure. But the idea of elder is the idea of wisdom and experience. There's more than one way to get wisdom and experience. Paul took Timothy under his wing. And Timothy journeyed with him. And I'm sure he learned a lot of things. And so it could mean someone older who has had wisdom and experience from a long journey in life. Or it could mean someone younger who has been discipled. And I think probably this is where we lack the most in our churches. And that is to take younger men and to disciple them. What often ends up happening is someone younger gets ordained and they're thrown into the harness and they got to learn and find their way. Some of us have made many, many mistakes, many blunders. If only we would have had somebody who would have took us under our, their wing and we could have been a Timothy to a Paul. And so today, as we think of an ordination here, we don't have to look for the man with the grayest hair because this whole idea of discipleship is also so important. And yet, I don't believe it's probably wisdom to ordain too young of a man. So elder emphasizes wisdom and experience. So we have years that can bring experience or discipleship. The challenges are many in this responsibility. The questions are innumerable and the responsibility is huge. Let's just consider just a few passages. Turn over to Titus. And let's just look at Titus also being responsible for a church. Titus chapter 1, 9 to 16. Paul here encouraging him, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. A gainsayer is somebody who argues against himself. The very argument he holds and stands for and fights for will end up destroying himself. Titus, you have the responsibility. You need the wisdom and experience to help a person like that to be able to see through what he's doing and to repent of it. For there are many, verse 10, there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, the Grecians are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply. 
that they may be sound in the faith. Not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient unto every good work, reprobate. What a responsibility. An elder is a man who has a tremendous responsibility in defending the faith, warning the sinner, convincing those who find themselves in false doctrines and many such like things. That is why wisdom and experience is so important. That's why. In Acts chapter 20, 28 and 29, Paul there saying, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. An elder must be able to defend doctrinal truths. Must be able to. People need answers. People are needing answers. And they won't be convinced with, well, this is just the way we do it. This is just the way we believe it. They need answers. They need to be shown by the scriptures. That is why we need elders, men who can defend the gospel, men who have experience and wisdom. Elders are responsible for continuing to maintain a clear new birth in which a person is clearly translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Men and women being filled with the Holy Spirit, walking in separation from sin, the world, and the devil. Needs discernment in many practical things. Speaking in tongues, once saved, always saved. Sorting through various views of eschatology. Warning against wrong counseling. Alternative practices that are in question. Church and state separation. Government aid, government assistance. Defending good music. Why we should not vote. Why we don't go to war. Defending the old time religion against the prosperity gospel. All the other easy to believe authors and doctrines and a host of other things. Recently, fairly recently, we had a family come to us from another conservative Anabaptist church, and they visited a short while, and after a while, they disappeared. And I met him one day, and I, I said, Hey, you visited for a short time. You just disappeared. What happened? Well, he said, we were studying the Bible, and we saw that it's important that we keep the Sabbath. I was like, really? Yeah, so we're keeping Saturday as a special day. So I told him, I said, I would really like to sit down with you. So we sat down, and it was interesting. Here you had a man who was an island. He studied it, him and his wife, and they came to a conclusion without brothers 
sisters around them to bounce it off of. And they took the verse where it says that they were supposed to keep the Sabbath continually, forever. So, of course, forever, then we better be keeping it today. And so I took the opportunity to show him that it's within a time frame, forever, throughout your generations. And of course, I'm one of those that believe the Jewish dispensation ended. And so with it, the Sabbath, throughout your generation. It was given to a specific people for a specific time. Well, thankfully, they started coming to church again. But these are kinds of things that we, as elders, need to be able to convince. So important. So why do we have elders? One of the numerous names connected to a specific calling. Older, experienced, wisdom, or disciple to be able to have experience and wisdom. Let's go on to the second designation, a bishop or overseer. Overseer. This emphasizes watchfulness and vigilance. Somebody who got their eyes open. Somebody who's standing on the wall as a watchman and sees the enemy coming. Watchful. I think one of the in the, is it in the Strongs, would give the idea of a superintendent. Simply to have or exercise the charge and oversight thereof. We think of a superintendent in school. A little bit I know of that. It's someone who kind of watches over everything. He's got his eyes open. He's watching how things are going. And he can pick out, there's a problem. There's an issue. It would go a lot smoother if this was in place. Here's a student that's struggling. Here's somebody that's, a teacher that could use a little bit of encouragement. It's someone who's watchful, attentive, alert. It could possibly be likened to a manager of a business, making sure everything is getting done right and getting done in time so that everything can move along smoothly. Overseer, watchman, vigilant. We have not done so good. We have not done so good. Over the years, we've allowed numerous men in our pulpits, men who come in among us with all of their literature, only to find out later that false doctrine. I think it has swept so many of our people off their feet. We need watchmen. We need men who can be discerning. Just amazing. The latest one that I heard of is Mark Carrier going across our nation. Many people swallowing it. Again, Acts 20, 28, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock. Take heed therefore unto yourself, yourself first, elder, and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you 
overseers, vigilance, awareness. Like a manager of a job who oversees the production, a bishop, overseer, has an eye for the whole. Like the manager of a manufacturing facility, he's able to pick up on the weak areas of the assembly line, is able to see if one employee is not pulling his weight. Overseers. I think we men probably fail this one the most. I've had it already. My wife said, did you see that? No, I didn't see that. Did you see what the children were doing? No, I didn't see it. We could be sitting in our own living room with a paper in our hands or some reading material in our hands, and there can be chaos all around us, and we have a wonderful way of just zoning out. Wives come and say, did you see that? What's going on? All of a sudden, now we're awake. What's going on? We missed it all. That's not what an elder is to be. It's supposed to be alert. I know that sometimes we get criticized because we're watching everyone. Well, that's our job. We're watching everyone. We feel looked at. Well, I don't think it's wise to be gawking. But yeah, observing. And I think that's probably a weakness that a lot of us men have. It's it's very common. We're not with it. We don't see it. We're not noticing. We're not awake. Things can go a long time, and all of a sudden we wake up like, yeah, this has been going a long time already. Where were you? That's me too. Bishop, overseer, someone who is awake, who's alert. Who's with it? I had a teacher in school, uh, my sixth grade teacher, and I won't say his name because I think some of you would actually know him, but he was one of my best teachers. One of the things I remember him saying is, the frustration of the English language. You have all these rules and rules upon rules and, uh, uh, you know, how do you say this word? How do you say that word? And I before E except after C. And you have, have to have all these rules to figure this out. He said, if he would have made the English language, it would have been made simple. Very, very good teacher. I enjoyed him very much. But he had one weak area. And that is, in the Christian day school, it was one grade, and so he got us all started on our subject, and then sometimes he had a few minutes where he could kick back, and sometimes he would pick up a library book and he would start reading. And when he got his nose in a book, you could do about anything. And so me, as being mischievous as I was, I would see how long I could do something until he would notice. So one of the things I would do to catch all the students' attention was stand up at my desk, walk a whole way around it, and sit down. See how often I could do that till he notices. And it wasn't even fun because he didn't even notice it. And the students were all snickering, and there he was in the book. Pastor, 
overseer, someone who's vigilant, someone who's got their eyes open, someone who sees, someone who's attentive, someone who can pick up that soul that is struggling. How did you know I was struggling? Well, I just saw it on your face. How did you know I have sin in my life? Why well, just saw you weren't doing well? Someone who's vigilant, awake, alert. What a responsibility. The third designation, pastor or shepherd. And this simply means service and care. Service and care. So we have the word pastor, but the word shepherd is not specifically used, but the idea is brought, as we said earlier. Pastor and shepherd, the same Greek word. A pastor is a shepherd. A shepherd not only feeds the flock, but he's watching out for their well-being, watching for their safety. Nursing the sick back to health, tenderly watching over the old and the very young, working with the erring sheep, administering the needed help to bring them back to the safety of the fold. A shepherd will know his sheep, and the sheep will know the shepherd. John ten twenty seven. my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. And of course, we know that's talking about Jesus and each one of us, but the under-shepherd will also have some of the same characteristics. This, again, can be one of the more challenging designations to fulfill, a pastor's heart. One of the privileges we have is to learn the heart of a pastor with our children, our wives and our children. Someone who's there and can lovingly care for them. Yes, we need an elder who can discern what is false and what is right and can slice the pie, know where things stand, truth, falsehood. But he also needs to be a pastor. I'm sure you probably read the book, and I don't know what the title is, but the idea of velvet and steel. A man who has a backbone and yet, and can stand for truth, and yet one who can weep with those that weep. That's a pastor. And so, an elder, such a high calling because there's so many shoes to fill. One time he has to be standing and defending the truth. And the next time he needs to simply get down and wash someone's feet. And the next time he has to come along and just nurture somebody so gently and kindly. There were people leaving a specific congregation. And as I talked to numerous different ones of them, they all had the same complaint. And that complaint was, is we don't have a pastor. They had an elder that could stand and could do a whole lot better than I could ever on exposing false teachings and false doctrine. We didn't have a pastor. So I took the opportunity to go to the elder and say, you know, I think it would be good for you to know this. 
this is what the people are saying. We don't have a pastor, someone who can really feel for us. And I thought it was interesting. The elder said, I agree. They don't have a pastor. They have an elder, but they don't have a pastor. Oh, how challenging. It calls for time. It calls for taking an interest in people's lives. It means someone who is at least has some ability with interpersonal relationships. There are men who are in leadership, who are pastors and bishops, and they have never really even learned how to really connect with their wife. It's so important that we as elders, and that's one way we can learn with our family, to be able to connect. Paul said, you have many teachers, but you don't have many fathers. It does mean, it does mean preaching the word so that all would get fed. It does mean that a shepherd feeds the sheep. It does mean that. Sometimes people complain, well, I don't get fed at my church. Well, just make sure it's not your problem. Make sure it's not your problem. I went to church all my growing up years and walked away from there saying, I didn't get fed. Not like I got fed after I got in some other churches. My wife. Grew up in the same church, same one of the same churches, types of churches. And she said, I got fed. I was fed. So where was the problem? The problem was with me. And we have to be careful. Those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. Now it does say in the qualifications apt to teach. But I'm afraid we get that one. We put that one way up on top. And we kind of ignore these others, elders, wisdom, experience, a pastor or a bishop, overseer, someone who's vigilant, awake, or a pastor, a shepherd, someone who nurtures and cares for the sheep. And so I, what I think is, I think if you have a man who is a good elder, a man who is a good bishop and overseer, a man who is a good pastor and shepherd, I think you'll have a good teacher too. It's easy to, and it's done. It's done. Someone who has good charisma, that's the person to our day. And so we have a good teacher, but we don't have an elder. We don't have a bishop and overseer. We don't have a pastor and shepherd. And so, yes, someone who can teach, but let's make sure that we get these other things. It means discipleship. It means counseling. 
It means caring for and restoring the erring member. It means time to listen, to hear the voice of the hurting, the lonely, the struggling. And that's quite a responsibility. I suppose you all know the background of the song, I Must Tell Jesus. Uh, Elisha Huffman, he would have pastored a church just in the next town from us there, next city of Lebanon, some of you Familiar with that? He was a pastor for a short time in there. I'm not sure where this happened. But he definitely had a pastor's heart. But even a pastor sometimes gets to a place where he doesn't have the answers. And so the way this song happened is he has uh, uh, some lady in, in the community, or was it in his church? I'm not even sure. But she was either a single mom or she and had children or she her husband had died. I'm not sure what the situation was, but her situation was desperate. So she had called Elisha over one evening. and She dumped all of her woes on him. What, is, what should he say? He didn't know what to say. So finally he told her, all I can tell you is you're going to have to tell Jesus. And she sat there for a while, and all of a sudden, she brightened up and said, I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus. And he went home that night, and he couldn't sleep because those phrases went through his mind. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus. So we don't need someone who has it all figured out. Point them to the source. So it does mean being good at relationships. This does not mean living like a CEO of a company. So important. They have men, women under them. If you would want to send President Biden a letter, there's a very, very good chance, probably a very high chance he'll never see the letter. There's other people who open up the letter, and only the letters that are really, really important will actually get to him. Because you have all this structure. For a pastor, a shepherd, he needs to be walking among his flock, in and out among them. So important. It means patiently bearing with the weak and struggling and helping them to become what God would have them become. Oh, what a wonderful opportunity to help people come to their fullest potential in Christ Jesus. Yes, it does mean using biblical discipline to the wayward sheep so that they might reunite to the fold. It means protecting the other sheep from wolves and other predators. That would destroy them. Acts 6, 2, 3, and 4. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we... We'll give ourselves to prayer, continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. So there's 
other designations. Feeding the sheep is important. That's the job of a shepherd. But let's not lift that one way out above and ignore the others. So with that, we will conclude. In conclusion, God has given leaders in the church for its maturity, its unity, and its efficiency. God has given leaders in the church for its maturity, its unity, and its efficiency. A leader's job or an elder's job requires lots of wisdom. He needs to be very watchful. And he needs to care and share for the benefit of the flock. An elder, a leader, must be one who has your best in mind. And he will need your support, your prayer. And he needs your relationship. And he needs your encouragement. And we will, Lord willing, speak on that tomorrow. So I trust as we consider those three grouped designations that hopefully that can help us discern who God is calling to the responsibility of an elder here at Zion Christian Fellowship. May God bless you as you continue to seek him. If we could uh, just bow our heads for prayer, Heavenly Father, we ask that we could get the heart of God. You so graciously have given Five designations, grouping together three of them. Three designations for this one responsibility. We know why you did it. It's to help us understand the work of an elder. God, I pray that you would choose out a man, along with his wife, choose out a man who will be an, an elder, wisdom, experience, maybe through discipleship. God, that you would choose out a man and bring all of these brothers and sisters together to hear your voice. A man who is an overseer, who's a bishop, who's a watchman on the wall, who's vigilant, who's attentive, who has his eyes open. Father, I pray that you would raise up a man who would be a pastor, a shepherd, who would feed the flock, who would nurture the flock, who would care for the flock, who would minister to the flock. And Father, I pray you would raise up a man that would fulfill the very essence of the word, Gratuity. Give this congregation another gift that will turn around and give it back to you by serving these folks and whoever else you may bring to be a part of this body in the coming years. So bless, care for each one, and especially 
we covet and pray that your Holy Spirit would be very busy in each one of these lives, bringing their thoughts, heart, and mind together on this subject. Even as it says there in Corinthians, we all have the same mind, have the same judgment, do no divisions among us. Blessings on this congregation. We pray in Jesus' name.